For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> brother. Brother. Welcome to Dirt Talk. Did you ever have a professional wrestling phase? No, I wish I did, though. I wish I did. Because every time I've seen professional wrestling, holy smokes, is it a treat. It's fun. Yeah. One of, one of the things on my bucket list is to go to uh, WrestleMania. That would be so fun. Dude. Like at a huge arena or well, football Wrestle- field or whatever. No, yeah, WrestleMania. I mean, they have like, like 200,000 yeah, people. Yeah, it's huge. It's crazy. Like, I feel like someday they need to do it at like Bristol Raceway or something like that. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, those are the biggest stadiums. Those are the biggest, um, uh, uh, I guess, spaces. Yeah. Yeah. I um, I will go one day. I will go one day. Mark my words. I went one time as a kid to, uh, I guess it would have been WCW, which is, you know, Got bought by WWF, WWE. Um, but it was like Monday Night Nitro. Oh. None of the big people were there. It's just... But it was cool. It is such a ridiculous, ridiculous event. And I also like all the, the wrestling memes. It's oh, like, they're great. Oh, and here comes Bernie Sanders with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like Bernie Sanders with a, with a metal chair. There, that, that's a great point. There are like a lot of really mainstream professional wrestling memes out there. Like yeah. I love when people do that. There's the one meme of um, Vince McMahon where he's like strutting down like the. Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That's a funny one too. I don't know. Uh-huh. Anyway. It's, it's just a. Uh, a crazy world. I wish I was around for it and it's like heyday too. Mm-hmm. Like Hulk Hogan and back in the day when it was really going down. Oh yeah. Man. And that was like when it, that was really big was like right when I was like becoming old enough to think it was cool. Yeah. So like I definitely have a lot of memories of Hulk Hogan and Macho Man and Sting and Ric Flair. They were like towards the Though they were towards the end of their career, but they yeah. were still like in their normal colors. Yeah, you know, Hulk Hogan was still wearing yellow and orange. That's just awesome, and you can you can tell. I mean, the the more those guys get hit in the head, it woof. Because that's the thing is, you're sure it's it's set up, but you're still getting the shit kicked out of you. Well, when they jump like off the like corner rope. Like, they're still like 12 feet in the air. <laughs> 12 feet in the air. The guy's like 250 pounds coming yeah. down on you. 
Yeah. That's like that's like plywood with like a vinyl cover. Yeah. It's not I'm, I'm a, good, that's man. not a gymnast floor. No, you're not wearing like elbow pads and mm-hmm. shit. You're just you're just out there wearing like a freaking speedo. Yeah. The ones who do the speedo, it's really impressive. Not something I want to do. However, like pretty amazing. Yeah. I just I think back in the day too, you used to be able to get away with more in sports. Yeah. Like even I was just watching some like I a mean, feature. It's also only arguably a sport, but it's a sport. You got to be an athlete, but it is there. There more is of like a play. There is athleticism required. I'm saying I'm oh, calling yeah. it a sport. Oh yeah. But you used to just be able to you used to be able to get away with more shit back in the day, mm-hmm. like decades ago. I was watching this whole feature on racing, and just the the crazy things they got away with in the world of racing was yeah. crazy. You could just you like you'll see these 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 rallies and people are like on the track. Like that doesn't, that doesn't happen nowadays because everything is safety and people have been killed and this and that, which I understand. I would not be, I would not be one of the people on the track, but you see the footage that you're like, whoa, that is so exciting. I mean, there, there's just, there's just people right in there and this is insane. Mm -hmm. And I think wrestling was like that too. It was just, it was just insane. Did you ever see the movie, the wrestler? No. I, I know nothing. I'm I'm acting like I know something about wrestling. You right don't now. really. I know nothing about wrestling. Sure. Well, so there's a movie that came out maybe like 2006, 2007, starring Mickey Rourke, and it's just kind of meant to be like what's like the downside or like what's the the gritty underworld of wrestling that's not like the top tier WWE whatever. Yeah. And like it's pretty depressing. Just like you know, all the stuff that it takes to just put on, you're like in like a, an Eagles Eagle Lodge, mm-hmm. you know, performing for like a hundred people, just getting like the absolute shit kicked out of you, even though it's fake. Yep. Like you're still like the classic, you know, the guys would like hide like a razor blade in their, their tape on their like Whoa. wrist to like when they're laying down, like cut themselves a little bit. So like they're like bleeding, look like they're fighting. Nice. Um, and just like obviously it's a movie, but I know it's like it was really well loved, you know, by a lot of people who also loved wrestling or who, you know, had been through a life like that. Um and so I've never been jealous of those people who, mm-hmm. who do it, but uh I've always been amazed by those people. Well, and and that's just any sports or even like the music scene here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. You have all these people trying to make it. And there's a really really small percentage that actually make it. I oh, mean, yeah. even like, and that's why I'm, I really just don't like college sports all that much because it's a, it's just a huge marketing scheme for the, it's the universities to make more money via not even the sports programs. Almost every sports program just hemorrhages money mm-hmm. for the, the entire university. It's just like a, a marketing campaign. It's all college sports really is. Yeah. And then they're selling this whole, you can, you know, go to the professional you know, you can go play professional ball somewhere and you, you look at the actual numbers. It is really, really slim, really slim to actually make it into the professional world. Yeah. And if you don't make it, like you pour your entire life into something, you don't make it. And then what? I mean, you've probably seen this in the music world in Nashville. For it's, sure. I mean, everybody, there, there's a lot of people that just go all in on this thing. And sometimes it hits. And a lot of it is down to hard work. And there's a lot of things you can control. But then there's also a significant amount of luck involved. 
And if you don't hit it, like what? Then what? Man, I, I'm going to bring this to dirt. You ready for this? You produce the, the Dirt Talk podcast? Is that what happened? So then you just end up producing the Dirt Talk podcast. Uh-huh. No. Um, I th- this is not exclusive to music. Um, it, I think it's any industry that when you like pour yourself into something like that, like sports or to be a professional musician or whatever, and you come to terms with, I guess like I, I'm not getting the success I want or whatever, or like you're forced to move on. Like say if you're in sports, you don't get drafted and there's yeah. not an opportunity for you to play professionally. Yeah. I think it's easy for people not, in that space to say, well, like just walk away and move to something else. You know, that's what normal people do. But like your identity is that thing. And that's the thing. Your identity gets wrapped up in it. So yeah, I mean, you like music goes away. Yeah. Or sometimes it happens really abruptly in sports. You get this catastrophic injury. And then you you look in the mirror, you're like, who who the fuck am I? Because your whole identity is wrapped up in baseball, for example. And that just disappears. And it, you don't even know who you are and you've never had another game plan. Like there's no plan B there. Yeah. It was baseball that goes away. Holy smokes. Is that a tough position to be in? And I've watched a lot of kids struggle like bad being in that position where their, their sports career ends and now they're in real life, but they've, they've never thought about real life before mm-hmm. and they're completely unequipped for it and they don't know who they are. I think that idea is why I've always bristled at the concept that, you know, kids now are sort of like expected to specialize in a sport by the time they're like 13 or 14 years mm-hmm. old. It's yeah. like, well, then just pick one so that you can focus on it. It's like, that's true. But if, if all I do year round is like play basketball starting at like 13 through 18, what the hell am I supposed to do with myself if no college wants me to play college basketball? Yeah. If I'm like, my life has been basketball all year. That's the only thing I focus on. I don't have any other sports that I play. I only do basketball. And I'm clearly not good enough to do anything past this. What life experience do you have? I mean, there's there's value in overcoming adversity or work ethic or something like sure, that. But, but I'm saying like comparing I get what one yeah. sport to like, yeah. you know, well, I... You know, like for me when I was in high school, like I played a lot of basketball, but I also like did like the band stuff and I had a job, you know, and it's like, I would be miserable to be a specialist in anything. That's that's me. But like, I just think that would be so difficult to like mature into a well-rounded person if your identity from a very young age is wrapped up in this one thing that I do. Yeah. And I've like thinking back to the kids that are like that, that I've known, they've struggled quite sure. significantly. Yeah, and I, I don't think that's an accident. Uh, and it's been very interesting to, to watch. Fortunately for me, I was complete shit at every single sport. <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't stay around all that long in any sport. I played lacrosse for a little bit. I played soccer, baseball. I swam, did tennis, did golf. I, I really made my, made my way around. Flag football. And I was just total garbage at every single one of them. Oh, like just decent. But I prided myself on like lacrosse, for example. I was the only son of a bitch that was there at every single practice. There you go. Every single practice. I am there 
to do my best and that's all I can do. Do you think you're faster now than you ever were as like a, I don't want to say, you're not like that much older than high school, college age, but do you feel like you're in your athletic peak? Right I'm, in, I'm in, yeah, far better shape nice. than I ever have been. I mean, I was, I was doing pretty good in college because I was, I was, a, I mean, I've always worked out pretty consistent ever since high school. I mean, I've been very consistent since high school. Sure. Um, but I've focused lately on just being more like well-rounded. I mean, and I was just telling someone this today, like I have a marathon next weekend. They're like, are you ready? And it's not even, it's not even me being like an ass. I'm just kind of in marathon shape right now. Where uh, as if you were to ask me, let's go run a marathon tomorrow. Be like okay, okay. Been doing I mean, stuff like that. I'll be sore the next day for sure, but I'm good to go. Um, and I've been trying to do not just running, but just a lot of exercise in general, so that I'm just, I'm kind of just game for anything right now. And I like. There's a guy I follow online, Jesse Itzler, and he's big into fitness. And you have to assign fitness, I think, a higher purpose for it to really be long lasting. Yeah. For me, it's not I can, like I want to be in good shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't, it can't be like that. It can't mm. be. It needs to be much higher purpose. And and so for me, it's it allows me to perform at the company much better and and travel much more effectively yeah. and and do the photography I love to do a hell of a lot better. So it it really helps me with the company. But he says he likes to be in just anything shape, so he doesn't lose out on the life experiences that come come his way because it's like, well, no, I haven't been training. It's like, yep, let's just go. And then he has this rule of his kids asked to go do something physical. It's always yes, regardless of how tired he is or whenever it is. It's just yes. Love it. And that's why he trains. And that's why he's, uh, that's a big reason why. And mm-hmm. I really, really like that. Even though I don't have kids, I just like the thought of just being in, good shape in general so that anything that comes my way, let's do it. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking last week, um, you know, Nashville has the rock and roll marathon every year. Yeah. Um, we should, and that's the one I'm doing, but usually isn't in the spring. They do one in the spring too. I haven't been here enough to know it's that's true. When I did it three years ago, it was April maybe. Like mm-hmm. I, I didn't start training until after the new year. And then did it like that spring. Yeah, no, this is oh, well, it's then, gonna be it's gonna be cold. It's gonna be cold. Well, that's better. When I did it, it was like ninety nine degrees when people started crossing the finish that's line. Pretty brutal. Yeah, that was not my favorite um, long distance running experience. This is it's gonna be this time of year is tricky because a lot of times you're like freezing when you start, but then you warm up pretty significantly. And it so, doesn't really matter. You're kind of cooking yeah, internally. Yeah, but it's a good 45 minutes, an hour before you're starting to to get to the start line. And it's just a process yeah. to start a marathon. It's not like you just walk up and go. And so you're just, you're going to be freezing, freezing, or at least I'm going to be freezing for super uncomfortable for that first hour. And then hopefully I'll be able to warm up. The funny thing is too, it goes right by my house. It's in my neighborhood. Interesting. Yeah. The one that I did, which I only did the half, to be fair, which I did not go into East Nashville, um, but I'm twice your size, so yeah, uh, way more difficult. 
it it went through like it went down Broadway, curled back around, went like through like around Belmont, yeah, through Twelve South, yep, came all the way back through all the way around Germantown, yep. and then ended at the stadium, mm-hmm. yeah. And so we go, we kind of loop loop de loop around downtown again, go up through East Nashville, and then come down to the stadium. Nice. It's gonna be tough in yeah. the cold. I'll be curious to see, have you run like a, a race like that in this kind of weather? Hmm. Even if I've it's done, just like I've a dry, pretty big, cold. sunny day. Yeah. yeah okay. I've, I've, I've done, I've done more than enough. Sure. Yeah. So it'll all be fine. Cool. How hard can it be? How hard can it be, man? <laughs> anyway, that's a, uh, thanks for tuning in to fitness talk this week. Fitness talk starring not me. Um, we should start a fitness podcast because there's not enough of them. Yeah, we can call it like "Stay Hard." I can't so tell if you're being hard. sarcastic or real. No, feels like there are a lot of fitness podcasts. There's a lot of uh, it's a pretty saturated market. Okay. The nice thing about the dirt market, wide open, which leaves a lot of room for total jabronis. Uh, I had a meeting today talking about more jabroni experiences, potential jabroni podcast experiences that. It's going to be fun as shit. For what? Just some dirt-like podcast experiences. Oh boy. Okay. Cool. Um, I have a couple questions for you. We talk about on Dirt Talk after we talked about all kinds of stuff. It sounds great. Uh, I haven't talked a lot of dirt today. <laughs> this one is from Mike. He says, I am a 26-year-old project manager. I learned different management styles from different people. In your travels, what makes a great project manager, and what are your favorite management styles? Um, man, I think the, the whole, the whole concept of, and I I think there is a big workforce deal right now, which is we need laborers, we need operators, but the the thing about this industry is it takes a lot of different people to make the whole thing go round. It takes a lot of people. So this specifically, if you don't have a project manager on a project, you don't really have a project. (laughs) I mean, you can do a small project. Yeah. You can do a you know, a sewer tie-in or something like that, or you can do the smaller stuff without projects. But if you're doing a $20 million road job, for example, and you don't have someone actually managing that thing, good luck. There's a lot to it. And I've watched those guys and they are under a lot of pressure to perform. They have a crazy amount of responsibilities. Most of them work stupid hours, stupid hours. They're in a job trailer, so you never see them, but they're working just as hard as anybody else. Mm -hmm. And like Sal, you know, on the podcast, he made a great comment, just hard work's hard work. So yeah, they're not working their asses off in the field, but they're still working their asses off one way or another. It's all hard work and and you need them to do what you do out in the field. I think project managers, what I've seen, it comes back to just good leadership principles. I think, I don't think it's all that complex. I think good project managers have a very grounded understanding of how the work gets done. I've seen project managers that don't have a clue how the actual work gets done. That's a huge mistake. Good project managers, they spend time out in the field. They get to know the people that are on the project they're managing. They get to know what the problems are on that project. They're, they stay grounded to what the work, the work that's actually going on. It, too often I see project managers get stuck in the job trailer or back at the office and they don't get out to the jobs. That's easy to do. I don't blame them because they have so much to do, but the really good ones 
spend a lot of time out in the field. And even if they're not doing anything, they're just observing, they're talking to people, forming relationships. That's hugely valuable, hugely valuable for a project manager. So I think that's a, that's a big piece of it. Um, good project managers, they're, they're just good at uh, managing relationships because there's a lot of stakeholders in every job, especially like a, a government job. Mm-hmm. You want to do a $20 million road job. It's not, they don't just cut you a check and you go build it. It is crazy how much you have to juggle and all the meetings you have to have and people you have to talk to. And so they're really good at building those relationships and understanding how those relationships fit into the the big picture. And they don't let ego get in the way too much there because you can very easily let your ego get in the way with especially government people because it's like, screw this guy. He doesn't get what we do and he's being a pain in my ass, so on and so forth. But good project managers know that I might be better off just making sure this guy has what he needs. He is a pain in my ass, but I'm going to make sure he's good to go because if he's good to go, this whole project's good to go. And that's more important than my ego. So I think that's a that's a big, big thing too. Is uh, Like I just read in Kiwit, in, in this Kiwit book I'm reading, and I might have already talked about it on the podcast, but they would have inspectors that were just total pains in the asses. So they would have guys that would, their jobs were to go create relationships with the inspectors and learn exactly what picky things the inspector was looking for mm-hmm. and then go facilitate that, uh, go take that information back to the construction crews so that they would get everything fixed before the inspector would come through and say, hey, like they, I know this windowsill is not going to be good to go based on this guy, so you need to fix that or else this thing's not going to pass. They would get everything to pass, no problem, because they had that relationship and they weren't bitching about some inspector being difficult. They were saying, how do we make sure this guy has exactly what he's looking for so that we can get these things bought off, we can go on to the next one, and we can get, you know, everyone's better off if we can get this project done. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've, I think that's hugely valuable as well. Just kind of simple life principles, nothing crazy. Yeah, you said one thing that like, I don't know that, the phrase "the squeaky wheel gets the grease" really applies, or is tells the whole story of what you're saying. But it is an interesting analogy when you're saying like, you know, this guy, this gal is like a huge pain in my ass. But if I give them what they need to succeed, everybody's better for it. Yeah. And so I, I like that. It's like that. That's a way to get your ego out of the equation because like we've talked a lot about. It's like if you have an ego as a leader, like that's. I'm going to make what you're supposed to do really hard. Mm-hmm. But I'd never really thought about it. Like if you have a quote unquote, like difficult person who reports to you, obviously there's like a value thing. It's like, are they too difficult that they make the job worse for everybody else? Or it's just, they are difficult to me. And it's like, and I'm probably not serving them well enough to put them in a position to where they can succeed and do the thing that they're supposed to do. Totally. Um, you see it all so the I lo- time. I love thinking about that. I hadn't really, th- I don't know that I've ever thought about leadership in that way. Cause I think for me, it's like, well, how do I keep the ship running smoothly? Which is also that, you know, like you can't build a, you're not, it's going to be very difficult to build a team of like people who are all the same, who all communicate the exact same way. 
Well, no, even but even if you're 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 working for a damn good company doing damn good work, there are so many outside people that influence any particular job. Yeah, you have engineers, you have inspectors, you have just random city people, you have geotechnical folks, you have subcontractors, you have utilities. These are all like all of these I've seen just big problems where the geotech keeps failing them on compaction or the utility company. They're just being total assholes. They're not getting their power poles out of the way. Or some inspector is being just ridiculously picky about something that does not matter. Or you can build something way, way better, but the engineer is saying, nope, it has to be this way. There's so many examples of that, but like almost every single time you're better off just getting to understand their position and making sure that they're right at the end of the day and that they're taken care of. Because if they're taken care of, the project can proceed as planned. That's your job as a project manager to manage the project, to complete the project in the set aside duration within the set aside amount of money you have to do it. That's it. Your job is not to go, um, uh, it's 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 not to go do anything but that at the end of the day. Yeah. So you have to keep that in mind, even if someone's being an asshole, even if you really don't like working with somebody. That's just a reality of the business that oh, we yeah. that we live in. Well said. Cool, Mike. Thanks for uh, asking the question, uh, and thanks for listening to Dirt Talk because he also said thanks and keep up the great work. Dirt Talk is my favorite podcast. I guess one other thing too. Wow, that's really nice of him. One other thing too. PMs and I've seen PMs do this a lot. They just don't delegate effectively. Delegate. Leverage other people. They're there to help you. And so you see some PMs, and they're so wound up and so stressed and working crazy hours. And a lot of times that's necessary. But try to delegate as much as you can because holy smokes, does it make everything better. And that goes for not just a PM, but a super, a foreman, a, a crew lead, anybody in this business that leads anybody look for opportunities to delegate. You don't need to be the one in charge of everything. Amen. (laughs) All right. Last question of the Dirt Talk podcast. Last question that I'm done talking today. He's done. He's put in all the time. It's been so much talking. Um, This actually kind of follows along with uh, what you're talking about. So I think this is actually really great. It's from Cole. He says, what advice would you give an aspiring young business owner pertaining to leadership and how much risk should they be comfortable taking? I don't know. That's a personal question. How much risk are you comfortable taking? <laughs> you know, we've talked about this. Yeah. Are you, are you Dave Ramsey? Where, you, hey, I don't want, I don't want uh, a lot of financial risk, and I want to pay for everything in cash. Or, are you, you know, I've seen some of these big contractors with literally billions of dollars in debt. I mean, oof, that's a lot of risk, but that's what they're doing. What are you comfortable with? And the reality is. The bigger you want to be in business, the more risk you're going to have to take on. Oh, yeah. They go hand in hand. So if you want to go create this empire, there's no fucking way you do that without risk. No way. No way. And the bigger you get, the more risk you're going to have to take on. That's where we're at as a business right now. We're in a position where we want to go really big. To go really big, you need to take significant risk. And so we are taking much, much greater risks than we ever have as a business. Now, that's not to say it's completely irresponsible. And we're just like, well, let's just, we hope this hope this works out. We're, we're planning for contingencies, so on and so forth. So if something bad does happen, we're, we're still okay. You can manage your risk. But it's 
it's going to be there. Yeah. So what are you comfortable with? And this is something I think business owners need to actually ask themselves. And something I've asked myself since the beginning is, what do I really want here? What do I want? And some contractors, and I've talked to a lot of guys, they go think they want this massive company. And then they go get this massive company and are like, what the hell have I done? I just want to be in a machine. I just want to do my thing. I don't want to have to worry about all this. And then they scale way back, whether that be by by their own accord or uh, the, the market corrects and they're forced to do that. Yeah. So ask yourself, do you want to be a small business owner? There's a place for those people in this industry, for sure. We need those small excavation contractors, subcontractors, so on and so forth. Or do you want to be a Peter Kiewit? And the answer to that question is going to determine how much risk you're going to have to take on. Yeah. But regardless, and he asked about leadership, right? Regardless of what path you take, you need to become a better leader. You need to become an excellent leader. So start figuring out how to become a better leader. Extreme Ownership is a great, great book. Talk about all Leadership that. Tactics and Strategies by Jocko. Probably the best leadership book I've read that's helped me immensely. I've studied um, war and generals. I've studied, you know, go read a president's biography. You know, go read Truman or go read the Steve Jobs biography. Like learn about how other people have led and use that within your life. But if you're a business owner, whether you're a small company or you're a massive contractor, becoming a better leader and spending time on polishing that skill of leadership is completely essential and not enough people do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of people talk sometimes talk about leadership like you have it or you don't have it. Yeah, which and is not true. The more that like I've just the more life experience that I've like gained and the different types of experiences like I've I've had, the less and less I believe that. It's like well any anybody can lead something. It just like requires different skills and depending on like the group you're going to lead, you need to be good at these things. Or, you know, if it's a different kind of group, you need to be good at these things. Well, leadership itself is a skill. Yeah. And a skill by definition is something you can learn and become better at through practice and through knowledge. Mm -hmm. So becoming a great leader as a business owner is one of your, one of the parts of the job description. It's as important as making sure accounting is taken care of, making sure you're, you're, your, you know, your, your tax returns filed. Like that's just a basic requirement of being in business, mm -hmm. becoming a better leader. That's a basic requirement. And the better leader you become, the more options you're going to have long-term, the more doors you're going to open, the better your business is going to do, the, the more fun life's going to be. At least that's how it's been for me. Yeah. And, and, and for me as an individual, and I've, I've, I've talked a lot about this. It's, the organization is growing and becoming bigger and bigger and more and more complex. And every individual we add to the company, it's not linear in complexity. Now you're now there's so many more relationships within that business and so many more interactions because of one more person entering the picture. It's a lot of complexity mm -hmm. and it's a lot to lead. And as the company grows, it's only going to become more and more and more complex, which is going to require more and more leadership out of me as an individual. Sure. So one of my most important roles and tasks right now is building up myself as a leader to be capable 
to lead the future organization we're, we're building. And if the organization outpaces me, I'm done. I'm done. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't let that happen. So that's how I frame it for, for myself. I think that makes sense. You know, you've talked about that like self-development piece um, a good bit on Dirt Talk and on like our internal podcast and just in like conversations you and I have had. Um, and so I, I think what like sticks out to me, not that this is like new, but I, I think it just becomes more and more clear when we when we're talking about it because like that leadership for you is a is part, literally part of your job. It's not like yeah. it'd be good if Aaron works on his leadership. Yeah, if Aaron's a shit leader, he's bad at his job, uh, and and we don't accomplish the mission. Yeah, it's as simple as that. And and so I think that's what's really fascinating is that like you you might be wired to to be a leader to be a good leader, but like it just. All that means is some of the tactics required for you to be good at come naturally might come naturally to you. Sure, but that doesn't mean that like, yeah, Aaron's just a leader. He's a, he's a leader person. Like, yeah, he spends a lot of time on it. He spends a lot of time working on that, and it's clear when people don't. Well, and this is this is something that I've I've really thought a lot about too. Is is you go Southwest, primarily like a Texas, Arizona, New Mexico, or you go to the South, you'll have a lot of, you know, the whole management structure of the company is white guys. Oh yeah. Whole workforce is either Hispanics, uh, minorities. Of, of whole dude. That's the worst one we've had. Hands down. Those douchebags next door are blasting right now. Complete and total asshats. Whoever they are, if that's you, it's way out of control. Oh I used to do blast. God. They're 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 literally shaking this building apart. The plaster is coming off the brick. The mortar, I'm sure, the, it's dusty. The mortar there. is shaking. Yeah, shaking loose. Thank God it's not my building. I mean, like the they're, shit on the shelves in here is like shaking yeah, against yeah. each other, and they're doing it every single day, yeah. and it's complete nonsense, and it's really really frustrating me. Yikes. But, um. Because it's just like, it's just total disregard. I'm all for building stuff and digging holes. That's what they're doing next door, digging a big ass hole. Yeah. But they're just blowing the piss out of this thing. And I know it's not cool. I've been, I've done blasting before. I know what they're doing is not cool. Well, you've talked about, you've done way, 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 like less, uh, I don't know, less damaging to the surrounding environment blasting. Yet you were the one having to like, Go, you know, let everybody know that this blasting's happened. And that was like in the middle of nowhere. Yes, that's why I know all about it. And and I've seen enough blasting across the United States to know that's pretty standard. But in Tennessee, it's just like, oh no, we'll just let her rip. Like, who gives a shit? Anyway, anyway. Blasting ran over. I love blasting, but this is completely out of hand. Well, we when we're on a podcast called Dirt Talk, okay. So it's not like we're oh, like, yeah, hey, no. hey, 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 guys. I did blasting when I was with Kiwit. But and I, I freaking love blasting. Anyway, anyway, anyway. The, the, and I think it's like, it's like, why is that? Why do you have the, all these minorities out in the field, but all these white guys as leaders out in, in, in office and in, in the structure of the company? And that's, I think that's, it's just that, that whole narrative of anyone can become a leader 
just isn't really out there enough. And, and that's the reality is anyone can become a leader. Anyone can serve in a higher position if they so desire and if they want to go develop themselves. Self-development is a crazy powerful tool, yeah. crazy powerful tool. And that knowledge and that experience and that leadership ability you're going to gain, people can't take that from you. So just know that if you're one of those people out there that hasn't viewed yourself as a leader before, just know that you absolutely can become that leader through hard work and through figuring out how to polish that leadership skill. And you can do that a lot of times through just reading and studying great leaders and even just framing it in your mind that I am a leader and this is what I need to do to become a better leader. And as if I become a better leader, I open up X doors and that sounds pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So that's that. Well, I feel like you just co-opted my adrenaline rush from the blast into like, like not like pumped up, ready to run through a wall. Yeah. So you're welcome. Because now I'm going to go home and be like, man, Aaron pumped me up. But really, it was just, I like have a, a mini like anxiety attack every time that kind of blasting. There's like, there. like sizable chunks of mortar are coming off the wall. And I sent, I, it, it was enough to, I sent a picture of it to the owner of the building. I'm like, just so you know, the blasting next door, like those guys do not give a shit no. about what's around them. Like they don't care at all. And they're shaking the building. It's not my building. So if your building is shaken apart, like it is what it is, I guess. But I thought I'd just let you let know. You know? Jeez. Yeah. Anyway, I dirt wonder, talk. Yeah, dirt talk. I wonder if any like glasses or stuff like falls in the restaurant. That's that sounded, we share the building with. Sounded like that was that was. That was I know. I'd be shake, I'd be man. curious to know, like, hey, what do y'all think? As people who are like, probably don't know what it is. So yeah. Like, oh, it's just a geological issues out here, right on the on the water. Well, it's been it's been happening every single day. I, I mean, they're they're shooting sometimes two three times a day over there. Yeah, it's not great. Whatever. Anyway. Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. If you have questions. For the next episode of Dirt Talk, send them on over to dirttalk at buildwit.com. If you have mail to send to us, maybe a sticker to put on the sticker wall or a skid steer, like we always say, send it on over to buildwit, 1400 Adam Street, number 202, 202, Nashville, Tennessee, 37208. We would love to hear from you. That's it. We've, I've, like, I've grabbed a hat or two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got some great hats. Yeah. Now, for me, I have to see if it's going to fit my head first. Mm-hmm. Sure. So, if you have big hats, big hats, send them. Send them our way. Big hats for big guy. <laughs> um, well, I'm not a big guy, so I'll take normal hats. Normal hats. Yeah. But uh, we appreciate anything you guys send, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Until then, stay dirty. Stay dirty. Peek. Check. <clears throat> Go home.